Hello everyone, this is Mirko Guerrini and I welcome you to the Jazz Transcription Clinic, a monthly interviews podcast where we talk with accomplished jazz doctors about their lives, career and their personal secrets on the art of transcribing. If you want to improve at jazz, stay tuned and follow the Jazz Transcription Clinic on the socials for more content. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is being recorded. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be here today. I can press record. Great. Welcome everyone and welcome to another episode of the Jazz Transcription Clinic. Uh, today's doctor is one of my best friends here in Australia, uh, one of the best musicians I have ever played with and I'm very glad that he still likes me. Uh, we are talking about the great uh, Nico Schäuble. Uh, which uh, I introduced briefly. I met Nico basically eight years ago. He was one of the first big gigs that I had to do with uh, our good friend Paul Grabowski. And since then, it was like love at first sight because we have done a lot together, uh, a lot of recordings, gigs, concerts, projects. We also set up... Uh, a new idea uh, last year during pandemic called experience with the wrong spelling. Uh, you can check it out. The website is uh, www.experience.net. And uh, Nico has just released uh, a nice album called Then This where uh, there is Steve Magnusson on guitar and the great Tony Hicks, which hopefully will be soon on this channel, on this clinic as a guest, and uh, myself blowing into some pipes, and all the music has been written and arranged by Nico, and you have to check it out on his Bandcamp page because it's a very, very uh, nice recording. So, welcome to the doctor for today, Mr. Nico Schäuble. <laughs> Glad to be here. Thanks, Mirko. And, uh, of course, we can tell many jokes on, you know, the fact that you are a drummer. So, what has a drummer to do with transcriptions? Uh, but uh, maybe the joke doesn't work too well, because uh, since I started playing jazz... I remember that even before I started transcribing, all my uh, drummer friends, they were all transcribing a lot. I remember in those times, there were, there were people like Vinicola Jutta, Dave Weckl, and they were considered like gods able to do inhuman things, you know, alien things with like paradiddle with like, 379 hits in one beat all with one hand and I don't know if whether in Germany or, or here in Australia but in Italy I think there are two two or three monthly 
magazines about drums? Um, that's a good question. Well, there's, when the, the, the biggest one would probably still be the modern drummer. Yeah, modern um, drummer was, was one. Uh, translated in Italian. It was the Italian edition. What is it in Italian? No, the title was the same, Modern ah. Drummer, but then the content was all translated. Ah. And then there was uh, Percussioni, <laughs> Percussions. Uh, and I can't remember the third one, but there were three monthly magazines for drummers. It's like, you know, you have Playboy, you have, you know... <laughs> Well, I think here in Australia there's also it's called Drum Scene, I think. Oh. I think there's another one. Um, yeah, I've, I've never sort of, um, well, I, I do remember sort of reading Modern Drum. I never subscribed to it. Now, when I sort of search something and things are online, there are some very good articles, especially interviews with, with drummers, which are which is, that's a great resource for that. But there is a lot of transcriptions in there, yes, I do remember those yep. notes. So, um, I think if you are ready, do you want to say something? You want to add something to my little introduction? Um, <laughs> we can, uh, there's lots of things I could say. Um, yes, I'm. I'm super pleased and happy that I met you in you know, a musical soul brother. And there aren't many people that you play with and you do sort of instantly think oh, there's an understanding, there's a common it's a common idea and the idea is not a particular thing, but I think the common is the idea that anything is possible. You listen and you go with where the music goes. Um, so yes, that's and, and thank you for mentioning the last the latest album. Um, Yes, I'm very happy with it. And he said, well, I've, I wrote it, but it's arranged. I think it is really a, the band's work, and you and Tony and Steve are unbelievable. So, Thank yes, you. please, people, check it out. Yeah, it's something for our listeners, definitely, to, to check out. <clears throat> and maybe I can put in the uh, podcast description a link to your Bandcamp page. Absolutely. So they can uh, purchase the album. And there's also a link that is on the Bandcamp as well, but also on my website, Um On charts, I've got all the charts for the songs. Um, they're all to there free fixed. to download. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please send corrections ASAP. <laughs> I will return a bottle of wine. <laughs> That's right. All right. So uh, if you agree, we can start off with the first question. So yes. maybe our listeners uh, will start to get used to this, but the idea of this podcast is that I ask sort of same 10 questions to my guest doctors and uh, it will be interesting to see you know many different answers to the same questions from highly regarded jazz musicians 
So first question, simple but also maybe not so simple to answer to, is why do you transcribe? Um, Well, I might give that a little preamble. And when you first mentioned this project and asked me if I might consider being part of it, um, I thought, in a way, I'm not really transcribed. I never transcribed much. But in a way, that's not true. Like I have, of course, I have transcribed drum, some drum solos and uh, and also other, like I've, for a workshop, I transcribed Chicoria solo in Spain. And so there's a lot of things to be learned from it, of course. But what I find with the drums is often, um, you know, not, maybe not so extremely in jazz, but you might have in other music fantastic grooves, and it's actually one thing, and it's potentially a really simple thing. So you write it out, and of course every transcription is a very rough approximation, like any notation will be. Um, but with the, with the drums, maybe it becomes more obvious that what you can write down is not the essence of it. It's so far removed from what makes it a great groove or a great fill-in. So the, so in a way, I have transcribed a lot in my head by listening to the same tracks and often even parts of the same tracks over and over and over. But writing them on a manuscript paper did not make that much sense because I could not write down how, I mean, I don't know how it's achieved often, but like, how is Joe Morello's bass drum sound and the live recording of, you know, take five? And it's just like, okay, I don't know. It's big and pillowy. And <laughs> but yeah, the note is a black dot. It doesn't say much. Yeah, we have already discussed with other guests that, uh, and it is my opinion that writing a transcription down it's just for analysis purposes. So you want to analyze, you want to understand the mechanic of a solo or of a certain line. It's better if you write it down. You, you can have a vision, you can take notes you know, on the chat. Uh, but I, I do agree, sometimes uh, a transcription can be done only from memory. And if you are not keen to analyze and, and understand the mechanic of it, it can stay there. You know, it's, I, I do agree. And <clears throat> I kind of expected that answer from you because I was thinking that uh, one peculiarity that you have, if I would describe your playing, is that you know the sound of so many different styles. And uh, I have been playing with you, you know, a lot of different stuff, from Italian swing or traditional jazz to, like, extremely free experimental music or bossa nova. And you always come up with the right sound. So we can still hear that there is your footprint in what you play. So
So it's, it's very personal, but there is also a sound that fits perfectly with the style. And I think that comprehension, that deep comprehension of a sound comes with listening and transcribing in the sense that you pay attention to the sound, to all the nuances that are subtle into the playing. Yes, oh, thank you. That's very kind of you to say that. Um, I think um, I, I also became more aware of the issue or the, the discrepancy between notated music and, and, and performed music or played music when I uh, uh, got drum books, you know, you know, started playing. And actually when I started playing, which is probably one of the things that I still cherish um, a lot about my first year of lessons, um, there was a little bit of some grooves of how do you hold the sticks and all that. And then uh, I said, then uh, my teacher um, just said, just put on your favorite record and play along, which I did. I didn't have that many records, but I played along. And every day at the end of school, I think, oh, can't wait to get home and play along and be part of the band. So, um, and you know, playing along was trying to emulate what was what was played on the record by the drummer. And some of it I couldn't play, but I would sort of you know, emulate the feel. So I think that's very important. And then I wanted to sort of. Um, my father had been in Brazil. And he brought me a whole stack of records back, and and I listened to it, and I loved the music. Um, and someone said, "Oh, there's this, there's this sort of uh, anthology of of Brazilian rhythms and rhythms from South America in a book." So I looked to the book and said, "All these rhythms," and it was really hard to achieve that that sort of sound because when you write it down again, unless you I guess you could try that sort of swing and slightly skewy way that 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 things are played and give it a an identity. It is really, it's pretty much impossible. Or your transcription becomes, you know, so complicated. You think, well, I'll just listen to it. <laughs> that makes it easier. Um, but on top of that, it uh, what gave me sort of a, a a handle on it was when I. Uh, saw uh, Brazilian musicians play and then played with them. And a lot of the technique, it's not clear on a page. And, and maybe now probably the transcriptions might be better. But back then it was everything was, it didn't give you a sticking pattern or anything like that. And everything looks, 16 notes are all... But if you want to have a, that sort of lilting, you know, so you can emulate that, but then you look at someone playing and they might be sort of exaggerating it a bit. But so playing it in a way which is not the most technically proficient way is, is good. Um, and I'm sure there's good books around. I just had a sort of a... They were very simplified things, but yeah. I, that's where sort of, there's such a gap between what's on the page and what's played. Uh, so when you 
When you transcribe, whether it's a whole part or simply a groove, what do you expect to bring home? Uh, you mean what I expect to, from, to what I can draw out of it? What I yeah. Um, I mean now, especially, I'm looking to to see the to find the subtlety. What makes it different from someone else playing pretty much the same thing? I mean. You know, I'm not saying drums are that simple an instrument, but a lot of it is very simple, which I love about it. And then so, so there's a subtle difference. Where are the placements? And you could load it up into a in, in, into the computer and look at it and measure it all out, and you probably find it's not totally consistent, but it might conform to some sort of rough pattern in milliseconds but that's a I don't know that that helps but it's hard to perform <laughs> thinking sort of in that sense so I'm looking rather for the uh, to discover potentially the attitude with which something is played um, and again seeing people play or even on videos is a, is a great help uh, so discovering the subtleties and there are solos and sometimes I might sort of listen to a solo and, and listen to the structure see it as a composition um, look where the repetitions with changes and those sort of things um, but these days yeah I think I'm more interested in the sort of in very basic the sort of simple things but yeah. finding that real that little essence, that little grain, with the little herb that makes the whole thing go. <gasps> so could we say that as soon as you hear something that catches your attention, you decide to get the grasp of it by probably try to play the same thing or just listen and try to understand what's going on there? Um. Yeah, like if it's something intrigues me, I will listen again. And I should also add, um, I don't, well, it sounds stupid, of course, no one just listens to their own instrument, but when I transcribe or when I'm intrigued by something, it can well be in someone else's playing or in a group performance. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been, for a long time, I've been sort of very fascinated by um, some... Uh, rappers or singers who have uh i mean it's you know it's obviously a very rhythmic way of singing but the the timing is just is incredible often and it's you could transcribe that and you would have lots of you know quintuplets septuplets and you'd have to say laid back and this is this be incredibly complicated to to read but when you hear it and i think wow this is this is fantastic. How can I play that? And it's obviously it needs a sort of a, a groove, a relationship, a relative thing. So it could, you know, it can you can sit on top of it or behind it, however you want to describe it. So this is probably more something maybe I think of a if I play a solo or uh, if something else is going on, I can do things that go. Whoa. Yeah. And yeah. You make me thinking that 
There is one solo that sometimes I suggest to my student. It's an Ella Fitzgerald solo on in a mellow tone. Uh-huh. And when you listen to it, is uh, she's she's singing with the Oscar Peterson trio. So you can't say that there is no swing there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and when you listen to it, you think, oh, that's easy. And yes, in terms of notes, is. I mean, easy but not uh, naive. You know, it, it's it's a very nice solo, very good. All the notes are there for a reason, and she's swinging hard. She she puts a lot of blues inflections. It's a wonderful solo. Uh, but to transcribe it uh, or to write it down on paper, uh, to write the notes and get the pitches, is not a too long job, right? You can get very easy. But then you try to play along, and it's the hardest job, you know. Not even John Coltrane is that hard to play along with because she's so unpredictable rhythmically. And sometimes it's just, you know, a little delay with a note that if you would write it down, you have to write something a bit silly, you know, like a quintuplet with one note that takes mm. four fifths of the quintuplet. And, yeah. and the, so those things that are really impossible and falls into the chapter name, like feeling, that's where the feeling is. And it's interesting because uh, with singers, probably they are less impacted or less... Um, driven by the technical ability on their instrument. You know, that they just follow what they hear in their heads. Of course, there is technique, they study a lot of the technique, but there's not the filter of the mechanical instrument that you have, you know, to press a button. And even if you think another note, if you press that button, it will play you know, the note that is designed to play with a button, which is something that never happens with a voice. If you think of a note, you, you sing that note, right? Yes. Most of I the am. times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time. hope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's funny that, you know, you learn a lot from, from singers, even when you think, oh, this solo is easy. But yes, but we need to make a distinction between what is pitch, which is just a tiny, small part of the artistry of a, mm. of a musician. Yes. Yeah. I, so, I agree. It, it, I, I also think of, um, I've had a good fortune to work with some great singers, uh, including Vika and Linda Bull, and, and this is not jazz, I don't know. Like, I don't know why I would say jazz because it's a it's too limiting to any sort of music. But when they they when them being sisters and all that, they, they are, their voices just blend insanely well. But they also listen. It's not all because a lot of the sort of background vocals and things they do, they're not all prescribed. There are things that they will improvise. Yeah. However, they will make and then they say, "Oh, sing again. How do we do?" And and the and the way they can match 
exactly like length of notes and uh, all those little inflections, articulations, placement, pitch. It is so, it's absolutely fascinating and wonderful. And that yeah. makes it, that makes it, which is, you know, yeah. I, I, I think I'll, I'll probably learn at the start maybe, and maybe that's something that other people experience too. I learned, of course, a lot from other drummers. I learned um, from percussion players, different rhythmic cultures. But then I learned a lot from saxophone players, piano players, um, and now more and more. I think it's singers and also um, orchestral writing because I see the drums being like an orchestra, like an orchestra, because it has this huge range of things. Even has a bit of pitch. Um, so there's a lot of learning from now. I I did well transcribe to a degree, but I would study scores of, of orchestral works. That also flows flows into it, in, into my playing. I would think. Yeah, and to get a bit more practical. Uh, the next question is, what methodology you apply to transcribe or do you use any software to do it? No. Um, well, I'll, nowadays I will I'll make, um, might import a track and then loop certain sections, especially if I want to play along with it to capture a particular feel because it might you know, it's not necessarily that I want to learn the whole song or every part of a song, but I might be, oh, there's these four bars that are just how, and I could import that, see, you know, and then then loop it. That was something I'll be I'll be using in the old days. It was all, you know. I mean, Do you try to slow it down sometimes? Um, no. Okay. No, because it would be more. In the past, I, uh, um, I did that. Like I had a, you know, was a record player, and you could with a varying pitch. When I was trying to um, grab things that were just too difficult to hear, there were too, there was too many. There was sort of too much information. Um, but now I'm not looking really to find, you know, is it a five-stroke roll or a six-stroke roll, or uh, I'm looking for the feel and the the attitude. Yeah. Just great, thank you. Give me a second. I just want to uh, reopen. <laughs> no, not this one. Uh, <laughs> I got sick of that fake light. Yes, <laughs> probably. It's a funny thing with those other curtains. I have. The same ones here, and you think there's a 50-50 chance that you grab the right yeah. <laughs> string, but yeah. it seems yes. to be yeah. skewed so towards the wrong one. Is low. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, all right. Um, thanks for that. And how do you practice what you transcribe, if you practice? Yes, <laughs> um, I do. I do play along. Um, so you know, usually with headphones, I one ear off or so, and then I, you know, I will hear hear it. Or um, probably now, more often than not, I will 
listen and then maybe not even straight after but I'll, I'll get onto the instrument and try to recall the feeling of a particular groove or a particular song and and play it so I'm not sort of trying to verify that I get it exactly right it is more even sort of already an assimilation where I try to make it my own like I'm not trying to play like someone else I try to be sort of inspired or guided by someone else rather than being told to play exactly something that's what I I think that's probably my my practice in that in that yeah. regard and it, I mean they couldn't have to say there's there are uh, tracks uh, songs or part of songs or records that uh, I have maybe first heard 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and they stick with me. And I'm still, in a sense, sort of working at capturing the essence. And you mentioned before playing, um, you know, bossa novas, especially the slow bossa novas, and, and I, I wouldn't say that I'm a sort of an expert player in Brazilian in Brazilian music but there's a certain type of music I just really like the sort of really understated slow things and and there's a uh, I couldn't oh maybe I'll I'll send you some some tracks listed that of particular tracks but it's more well it's almost like a school of playing where you know, drums is like a little, as I said, was, I feel it's a bit like an orchestra. So there's, you might just play the bass drum, hi-hat, maybe the snare drum. And it might, it might be the whole thing, there might not even be a fill-in, but there's a, there's a simple, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an economy in playing, and it's all contained really in that two bars maybe, or in four bars, that, that's it. And... Mm. A lot of it, of course, comes from the from the guitar. You go listen to the guitar players. You, you sync up with that. But so it's so that's a, um, a, a, a thing I try to recall and the sound and it's the dynamics too. Like some music you can't play it at sort of any sort of given volume. Some music just does not sound. You know, does I think most music has sort of a range of sound you can play with it but if you want to play a you know a speed metal track it'd probably be odd to play it really softly it would be a novelty sort of thing but part of <laughs> that music is the power and, and and the aggression and and the sort of attitude it's hard to play that as a you know in a wedding band style. yeah that's true that's true there is one of uh the often questions that students, when you mention transcribing, sometimes, you know, this question come back and they ask, oh, should I really transcribe? Because I don't want to copy or I don't want to sound like somebody else. I don't want to sound like I'm copying that particular mm. player. So do you ever feel that you you might not be tr 
true when you play uh, something that you have transcribed or listen extensively or what sort of stra- strategies you put in place to avoid uh, fall into that idea? That's a, that's a really good question because um, I mean, I still sometimes would catch myself, but not so often now, but certainly in the past where uh, it wouldn't be, I mean, going a long way back, yes, it might be a, a fill or a, some, some sort of thing that I'd practice a lot that would just come out, or maybe I actually wanted to play it to show that I can play it. Um, uh, and that sort of fairly quickly I stopped doing. But I would think of, of a particular player, you know, and think, oh, this is sort of that song or this band as well. I would, you know, I can just imagine Art or Elvin or Tony or, and I'd start sort of playing in that way, you know, I don't know, I'm not saying as good, but, and I I catch myself that, no, this is not, um, I'm starting to sound like someone else, exactly what you um, described before. And maybe it's, I don't know if, uh, I'm just sort of speculating, maybe it's easier on an instrument like drums because it's, it reveals a style very quickly, I think. Um, so what would I do to counteract that? Uh, sometimes it's sort of a physical and sort of silly thing in a way. Um, I might take my both feet or maybe one foot of the pedal. So, because most things to apply, like most involve all parts, right? So you take one away, all of a sudden it sounds different and you won't play certain things, right? Um, Another thing could be to, and I've done that too, uh, uh, sort of it's a bit trickier or it can be done but it involves more sort of thinking during a during a gig. But I've done it sort of as a concept um, that I, at some stage, I said, oh, I don't know, I've got all these tom-toms. I never had this gigantic hit, but I have, you know, played quite a few tom-toms and it was sort of, I mean, I grew up, comes out of the jazz rock thing, you know, Billy Copper, Marfons, Mouzon. And um, so I, I would start... Play. That's right. You played with Billy. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing gig with Alphonse when I went. He used to have to get off his chair and walk <laughs> to the back to the 16s, you know, yeah, floor to, top. To keep yourself Which, fit. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, so I, I would. I'd stopped playing, taking any Tom Toms to gigs, and. I would just have a, one right simple hi-hat, a snare drum and a bass drum. That was it. And I said to myself, I will um, play. I can still think, let's say, I can still think of Billy Cobham fills if I wanted to, but there's no way I can sound like it because I can't play it like that. Sometimes it's even a a particular symbol. It just came to my mind, you know, that time with the China symbol. <laughs> um, so if you're sort of feeling yourself uh, in danger of 
sounding like someone like that, and you have a China symbol, that's like you know, that's like drug taking. You're just gonna <laughs> take that away and use it later somewhere else. Yeah, you become very <laughs> but nervous. But it is like a. It's, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> where is it? <laughs> um, it is. I think it is is very easy to fall into that, and it's not unheard of um, that people often like they will say, "Oh, could you play it as a? Could you? That's like sort of like Elvin." So you know, I say, "Well, why don't you give him a call? You know, he can play. You know, why?" <laughs> so I'd rather, and this is um, something that I'm is in my own thinking, or when I ask. Other people to play, or try to convey a sort of feeling. I'd rather describe something more abstract rather than having a particular person. I'd say, you know, play. You know, there's a, there's this rolling. You know, it's like a machine. It's like wow. Those sort of things. I think didn't allow everyone to interpret it for themselves, yeah. and I can do it for myself. So I would think rather in an abstract. Term or you know emotional yeah. terms. Emotional terms. I have already mentioned in one of the previous episodes, but one thing that struck me uh, with solos, and I usually use this argument to reply to that question, how to not fall victim you know, of coping someone, is that I spent probably more than one year, a uh, long time ago, studying Joe Henderson, and I started transcribing a lot of Joe Henderson. And I never I never try to go to a gig thinking now I'm playing those lines because I have transcribed so if I have that specific chord progression I can play this line, I can play this line. I tried when I was very young to like sort of build a Lego a Lego solo, and I always failed miserably. It never sounded good, you know, to think, oh, I can play this line and just play exactly that line. It always sounded fake. So I stopped doing that. But then after I transcribed a lot of Joy Anderson, and then I moved into something else. Like after probably, I don't know, seven, eight years, I put one of those recordings of Joe Henderson back on the player. And it was like six years that I didn't listen to that recording. It was probably, I don't know, one of the Blue Note ones, whether it was Inner Urge or Mode for Joe, one of those great albums. And I put the album on, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, why Joe Henderson is playing my lines? <laughs> No, it was pretty disappointing. So, hey, don't, don't play what I play, right? Because I got to the stage where those lines that I transcribed, I have fully processed into myself, and now I'm playing maybe not even exactly the same lines. They have changed a little bit, but I can hear from where they come from but they are completely detached from the source. Now, I didn't even remember that they were coming from that particular track. 
<laughs> so now I have this weird feeling, oh, he's copying me. <laughs> and I, I immediately called my lawyer and said, hey. Got you a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, hang on. <laughs> so I think the right answer is that you don't have to um, use those transcriptions to, to fake or to cheat, you know, when you play. But... Mm. You use those transcriptions to develop your own vocabulary, your own language. And in the end, you will be the result of the addition of all those <laughs> items that you have been exposed to. That is that is the hope, yes, yes. I guess. A, so, so, yeah, so the idea that you amass so much and not one particular block of information will dominate like it, everything sort of becomes mixed more mixed up and and infused um, again I think drums are one of the is, a, is an instrument that that reveals very quickly if you play something here's something I've rehearsed at home um, and I mean some for some people that's what they want to do and that's fine it's you know that's a way of playing I never felt that was a good way of playing and if I felt I mean it's the other strategy if I feel that I um, starting to do sound like someone else I would just really play really simple there is I mean of course there is also a risk but if you play it's it is you know it's not neutral and it can be have a flavour of some, someone, but it's much harder <laughs> to be a copyist because it's so simple yeah. and everyone's played it and everyone can play it. So, so I think okay, okay. same with you know, if it's like say a swing or so, and I feel like doing all these things. What am I doing all these things? Oh, this is a ding, 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 ding. And you know, it, that's not something I transcribed. <laughs> anyway, this is just so basic and it's great again this is what i love about the drums i can fall back onto that and i mean you could conceivably play a gig with that and that could be quite satisfying yeah. <laughs> also less less stuff to carry around <laughs> yes that's one thing <laughs> and if i get someone to hold it then i don't even have to <laughs> pre-stand <laughs> and then you go to have some Japanese dinner, so you have the sticks for free. That's it. You know. <laughs> Tony Buck probably still does, but uh, I did an, uh, an album with him, um, duo album, and he he played not the small chopsticks, but he had you know the big ones for the big walk, the long ones. Yeah. So he played those. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I remember. So I can't play those because then I sound like Tony Buck. There. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Joey Baron. Um, I saw him playing with Jim uh, Hall Quartet with uh, Greg Osby wow. and Steve Laspina. And Jim Hall was basically, he had the amp, but I don't know if the amp was turned on. Because <laughs> the sound was so soft that it, we could hear the, the string noise, you know, when he was playing. <laughs> right. Um, and it was in a theater, 
So everyone was quiet and Joy Baron played almost the whole concert with the you know the the chopsticks. <laughs> but it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Brilliant concert. Everyone played like basically acoustic. It was acoustic. Uh and you know they were able to keep everything there and make you know everyone audible. And we could Fuck. still hear dynamic we could could still hear, you know, waves of tension and release. It was beautiful, beautiful experience. I, I think most instruments sound great soft. Yeah. It's an odd thing to say for a drummer, but I think every instrument sounds great. There is great. only one issue. Played really softly. That is more difficult to play soft. That is true. Yeah. Yes, that is true. So not many people can do it. No, well, but it's something to work towards. Right? Absolutely. And, and every every instrument blends. As the louder it gets, there's always someone who loses out first. I mean, the drums always win, but uh, <laughs> except there's electric guitar yeah. on eleven. But yeah, it's a it's a everything blends beautifully when it's soft. I love it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I have another couple of questions. I'll try to be concise. Uh, I guess you you partially already replied to this one. Uh, it's what strategies you employ to incorporate what you learned from the transcriptions. And you already said that you know you play along, but then to to make them happening in what you play, to use any strategy or you just wait for them to come out naturally like what happened for example with me and Joe Henderson um, I, I think they don't necessarily come out naturally that sort of be a bit of a fluke because it's not so easy to, to capture something you know even seemingly simple but yeah, in the end just very complex um, and for for the drums, for example, a lot of it has to do the balance between the various instruments. So when I play, that is something I listen out for, how loud is the bass drum compared to snare drum, inupment, hi-hat, cymbals, all those sort of things. So that's um, something I'll, be, I'll work on and I'll try to, if I want to get a particular sound, not necessarily a particular playing style even, but if I want to sort of take that concept, sound concept to whatever I'm playing at the moment, those things are those are things I really listen out for. So again, I think I'm not too much in, in a danger to sound like someone else. Um, uh, and I, yeah, I mentioned before, there are sort of more abstract terms um, or even, even in a way, a feeling. I, I still recall the, my emotional response to particular tracks or albums when I heard them for the first time, where things went, oh, what? You can play like that? I had no idea. And I then would, of course, listen to it over and over, but that sort of innate, that first 
reaction is something I can still recall, and that does help me also in 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 playing um, and bringing something that I've heard into my own playing. Yeah, that's good. And do you have a particular track that you are kind of uh, emotionally attached to, or something that? Uh, it can be ascribed into your favorite transcription. Um, well, if we take transcription in the way that I've um, been talking about yeah. it, like where I didn't take, you know, I didn't actually transcribe everything onto a manuscript paper, but it's still um, the first time I heard uh, Bill Evans live in Montreux with. Eddie Gomez and, and Jack, yeah. Jack to Jeanette. That was sort of a moment, I think that sort of formed me in so many ways. And um, I probably, if I, you know, if I'd listened to it now, I can recall, well, I would know where the music's going. Now I couldn't sort of just all, you know, I don't hear it all in my head necessarily. But just that... Um, just even the first, uh, how he comes in, and it's not, there's no, like, oh, everyone's playing the form, obviously, but the whole band is, is, is the rhythm, and he, and, and Jack comes in at odd moments, he will, he will have an idea for a fill or some variation, which he will, which he will play to its natural conclusion, no matter where the form of the song is. And it's never it's never disruptive, and it forms a sort of informs the rest of the band, and it I just that that sort of feeling of of freedom, of being able to follow your own idea, and that the drums don't have to be um, um, sort of it's not a it's not a slave, a rhythm is not a slave to to a metric. Um, to a metronome or a set grid, which when you transcribe it, it, it sort of looks as if it is. Yeah. Right? There's not many sort of interesting pitch notes, but it's like this that grid. And when I listen to that, that sort of he will push and pull, like he, he always has, or listen to any Keith Jarrett trio album and listen to the the exchanges, the four fours, and all that. There's, and there are. I mean, that's just something. Again, when I listen to it, what I, it's very. It's also would be incredibly complex to transcribe. But so I listen to it the same exchanges over and over, and it feels like he will do go, you know, back, and he will speed up, or he will. It's all this tension and suspense, and then release that he creates. And this is something I'm thinking. When I'm when I'm playing, I said I don't have to now, especially if no one else is playing. I don't have to do that either. I I do have to trust the colleagues that they um, they will feel where the time is, as I do, um, and I have to accept that I might fall off the truck at times. That's that's all right. But that's sort of that is definitely an album. Um, which is, yeah, I just absolutely I'll, love I'll it. I'll put uh, a link into the podcast description to that album. I'm pretty sure that you can find it on 
you know the yes the normal sources for music in these times uh, i was curious yes. to also ask you have you ever seen a transcription of something that you played no um we had uh, we had a, a long time ago when i was part of the australian art orchestra there was a a composer was um we had there's quite a few pop composers that wrote for the arts that got commissioned and um at some stage the band um had a meeting or they, we said, well, it's great other people writing for us, but if they're like, we're, there's a lot of improvising musicians and like, it's not like we're all sort of dots players. Most of us, you know, can do it and some are very good at it, but it's not, yeah. So we said, so, so people who write for the orchestra should know the musicians and should write for the, the group of musicians. So there was a composer and I had, she met with everyone like for hours, and she asked me. I, I gave her recordings that I had, and, and and I think I even played things for her. And um, and then I thought, this is this is great. This is I really appreciate. It. And then I got the chart, and I had I could not make head or t uh, some of it was in unplayable, really. Like for me, I think it was generally unplayable, but it seemed to have nothing to do with what you know like with what I thought would be a sort of a transcription in a sense, sort of, you know, in a sort of abstract sense. This is sort of what I do or what I can do. And then maybe with some bits added that are challenging and odd or whatever. But um, no, I don't think I've ever seen anyone. Have you got something? Have you transcribed something? Medical? Can you show no, me? No, not, not of yourself. I should. I should. I can learn something. <laughs> But I was I was asking because one time I had a student and one day he came to me and he transcribed two of my solos. So I had the option, I considered two options. First option was to kill him and destroy the <laughs> and And then I decided for option two, which was uh, just, you know, have a look at it. And I wasn't particularly proud of those two solos, but it was interesting to see how distant was, you know, the feeling of watching that that I played there and also listen to what the student told me. Is that was really funny. I asked him, so what do you think you know, I played here. Why you think I played this phrase? And he gave me an explanation which made completely sense, but it was far away from what I probably <laughs> have originally thought. So it was really interesting to understand that, of course, what Stravinsky called the three filters process, you know, the the one who creates the music, the one who interprets the music, and the one who listens to the music. <laughs> you know, that yes. from start to the end, the result can change completely. <laughs> and it was interesting. And, and there is also another episode of, uh, you know, Enrico Rava, which I know you, 
you have played with and, and you love him so much uh, that one he went to his studio uh, to to do something that was more commercial and they put a chart in front of him and you know how how much Enrico loves when you when you put a chart of written music in front of him and he was you know an incredible so intricate and complex piece of music and Enrico you know like kindly said I can play this you know if you want I can try to improvise some lines but I cannot play this you need someone else he was very honest and the producer said oh that's odd because I transcribed the solo that you play <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of your solos and I thought it would fit perfectly you know so this guy wanted him to play again and he said I can't do it you know I can't do it either because you know when I play I, I'm not thinking that yeah. I'm just that's, on a completely different level that's that's very interesting also that the an improvisation um, is also uh, born of well of the moment and in its in the context. So in a sense, it doesn't make sense outside that context. <laughs> so you see that in a performance, or it's a recording. So the recording can be repeated. I mean, there are probably people who can try things <laughs> on the spot at a live gig, you know. Like Mozart or someone like that, but um, that is really the, the recording is sort of like a crutch in a sense. Like it gives yeah. you the idea that it is a an existing written out work, which to a degree a lot of Western art music is that, and uh, we're thinking of that in that sense. Yeah. But a, an improvisation happened at that moment, and then never happens again in the same in the same way. Yeah. You make me it's think really interesting. of that uh, band that a few years ago they replayed exactly note by note the whole album kind of blue. You remember that <laughs> thing? And big right. discussions you know, started. Oh, yes, and I always thought it was kind of funny provocation, which probably wanted to demonstrate that even if you play at 99% accuracy in terms of rhythm and notes, the original is still better. <laughs> <laughs> so I yes. didn't think that they wanted to affirm the opposite, that you can recreate exactly you know, a jazz track. I, I think the aim was exactly the opposite, but a lot of people got, you know... Uh, scandalized and oh, this is like called yeah. the exorcist <laughs> well that's it it's an int yeah i don't know what the you know if that was the intention or not but it just got me thinking even music that is basically all notated like take a, a symphony like if 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 someone plays yet again uh another symphony i don't think that everyone will be asked to listen to a recording of another orchestra playing the same symphony to emulate that. Like, I think that would be bizarre. Um, 
And even though people in the orchestra will have listened to lots of recordings of it, but there will be no sort of, although there might be some sections that are, that are particularly, you know, well rendered or yeah. where people think, oh, you know, this is a, you know, this is nice because it's, you know, an abstract thing, but to repeat it exactly would be strange. And I just thought, why am I holding a post-it note? No, I didn't. <laughs> Oh, this no. is something about well, the Australian tax office. So I was thinking, I have actually transcribed things much more clear, like much more um, what accurately or try to be as accurate as possible, but they tend to be not musical performances. Mm. Like as part of a project which like a, it didn't then come to fruition, but um, it was a was an opera and it had to do with a with horse racing, and I was always been fascinated about um, the race callers, and and Australians. There's a couple of famous Australian race callers, and I actually met a few, um, and I transcribed them. You know, like at the start, it's sort of slower, and then it sort of speeds up, and then how they can remember all the horses' names. <laughs> And I transcribed one particular track and then orchestrated it. And that was that was also tricky because, of course, it doesn't sort of conform to a grid. So you try to find an approximation and write around that. Other things I've uh, I've recorded and either transcribed or tried actually to emulate in playing is, um, you know, at night when you're at a... Uh, um, an intersection and there's a pedestrian crossing and there's more than one. Uh, or even if there's one, you know, they click, but for some bizarre reason, or maybe it's a design thing, they don't click the same speed. Yeah. But there will there'll be sort of a moment where everything's at least quite, might even be exactly the same, and then it, it loops. Um, church bells, I've also fascinated by... Um, you know, when you have the road signs that have the sort of lights and they don't all, they're not like exact and one is out or so. That is, I find that very fascinating and inspiring and I'm crazy and mad and I should be in an asylum. Great. I think that's a natural conclusion for our episode. It has been a real pleasure to share this uh, time with you and I hope that all our listeners will enjoy as well uh, and will learn something. So I will put all the links to Nika's website and Bandcamp page uh, in the podcast description and of course every month stay tuned because a new episode with another guest doctor Uh, will be released so thank you Nico Schäuble and thanks to all the listeners see you next time thank you Mirko it's been a pleasure bye